Come on in, have a seat. Thanks so much for being here. Uh, my name is Greg Tonkinson. I uh, teach some of the mines here on Tuesdays. And just want to let you know, if this is your first time here at the mine, welcome. A uh, little bit of different type of Bible study. We go through a section of the Bible, a passage of the Bible, and we try to make it as interactive as possible. So if you have a thought, a question, uh, especially on a night like tonight, please feel free. Um, raise your hand and we'll get to you. Uh, typically we have mics in the house, uh, but we feel like this is an intimate enough setting where we can just shout out our answers. So again, just raise your hand. I think I can see everyone in here and we'll get to you. We actually do have a mic runner. Okay. I think that's for recording purposes. Nonetheless, now we'll all get to hear you. So, uh, here's what I want to start with tonight. Then I want to start with, uh, three video clips back to back to back. And let's see if we can make some sense out of all three of them. Here's the first one. Now let's go. Out. Out. Autumn, what did mommy say? This is not Autumn's play area. No! Get, no! no. Yes! No! Yes! Go! No! Go play! No! Yes! No! Yes! No! Yes! Yes! Go! And go! I know, so beat it. Go. 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 Okay, that's number one. I hear Here, or we're going to be late. Now get over here. I don't want to be late. Well, I know you don't, so let's go. Come here. I want to do it. Come on. Stop it. We'll make you pre. I want to go to school. I don't want to go to school. This is, Nana says, he's putting her foot down. You're going or I'm going to smack your little butt. I don't want to go. Okay, that's number two. Right my arm. And that hurt. What gives you the right to strike me with your elbow? Dude, the first time you went like that to me, I ignored it. And you jabbed me again. I didn't jab you. I could you. see where it was going and what I said to you, and this was a word of warning. I jabbed you. I did not jab you. I you jabbed me. I was petrified. And what I said to you is physical acts of aggression get taken very seriously on an airplane. I if you begin to get aggressive, they will put handcuffs on you. I was you. getting your attention. I did this. I was tapping your arm with my elbow. I had arm. You went like that. I had told you on more than one occasion that I wasn't putting the volume down. Well, you know what? I kept asking because it was driving me crazy. So then you decided to do this. And after the second one, I gave you one back as a way to say, stop it. Can you say yes or no? Exactly. No, yeah, you got my attention, but I'm not a dog. So why don't you heed my suggestions of stop it when I ask politely? Because you're not the complete boss of me. I control my body. I control what I do. And you don't have the right to hit me that hard. I lightly tapped your arm with my elbow. Stop, let me talk. I lightly tapped your arm with my elbow to get your attention. Bam, right in my arm. It actually left. A mark for about 20 minutes. About 20 minutes later, it was finally okay, faded. Okay, up, you said you're not the boss of me. I am the boss of you. When a mother says to be quiet, 
she's the boss of you and you need to listen to that. Final I line. never said When a teacher says something, she's the boss of you and you Shut need to Shut up! Give me a turn to speak! Fine, see? You did it to me. How does it feel? How does it feel to be told to shut up? We've talked about Let me speak. How does that feel? How does that feel? Do not. Put your hands on me. Do you understand me? Do you understand me? No, I asked you a question. You know what? Shut up! Apparently that's the only word that gets your attention. How does that make you feel? I, of course, always knew that. Okay. We, uh, we've got some kids here in the audience, and, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Um, and if, can I just ask you guys up here, we're going to talk about the fifth commandment tonight. Now, I'm going to give you one guess as to what the fifth commandment might be. Honor your mother and father. That's exactly right. Do you know what the sixth commandment is? Do not murder. And those two are very closely associated here. As we look at some of those video clips, is that... Now, guys, the reason I gave you those in that progression is because we saw the first one, and my guess was we react the way I thought we would, which is we laughed. The little girl was being told by her mom to get out of the pantry, and she defiantly said no. But because of her age, we laughed. And we got to the point where the mom just yelled enough to get the girl to do what she wanted to. And then she left and and then I moved it up a few years. Now we have a preschooler ready to go to school. And if you didn't catch the, the, that video probably ran about three or four minutes. It was actually a grandma. Uh, the mom was already at work and so grandma was watching granddaughter. And she was trying to get her to go to school. And that went on for several minutes. Um, where the granddaughter was just defiant in I'm not going. And then finally, you know, out of some coaxing, she'd run around the table. They actually ran around the table a few times up to a 13 or 14 year old uh, striking his mom. Now, again, you know, producers on the Dr. Phil show will probably make it seem like what they want it to. And I don't know the backstory. I don't know how troubled that teenager was. Clearly, he was struggling. Clearly, he needed to have a voice. Clearly, he needed to to express his feelings, and with his mom, at least, he couldn't do that, or couldn't do it to the degree where it would satisfy him. But guys, I wonder if 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 we were to just do even a casual search on the internet of rebellious teens, um, temper tantrum kids, would we would we run out of time? Would we exhaust that particular search? There would be thousands and thousands of entries of kids that are doing the exact opposite of the fifth commandment. It's interesting, I guess, because God's got as many shots as he wants to tell the nation of Israel, here's some things that I want you to pay attention to. There are over 613 laws, mosaic laws, but he says, here's the Decalogue, here's 10 of them, that if you're going to hang your hat on, hang your hat on these 10, and the first four have to do with vertical relationship with God, right? And so we have the first four, and and I believe uh, last week we had a special guest, but the week before that it was honor the Sabbath and keep the Sabbath day holy, and so you have 
all of them referring to God hears me and hears you and hears a right relationship. But now in the second half of the Decalogue, in, 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 in commandments 5 through 10, we have horizontal relationships. Beginning with honor your father and your mother. I find that interesting that of all the things God could have went with, he leads with honor your father and your mother. Turn to Exodus chapter 20, if you wouldn't mind. Let's just jump in. Exodus chapter 20, starting in verse 12. I had uh, my, my, so just, you know, I, I will live in God's word and that's where our authority is going to be tonight. But experientially, uh, I've got five kids. I'm sure you have um, kids or you were a kid or you have kid experience on some level. I've got a, a 15 year old and then we stair step from 11 down to eight. Uh, three of them are mine. And then I, my wife was killed in a car accident in 2010. And so I remarried in 2013. And, and um, so we're doing the blended family thing. And uh, so I have two stepsons uh, right in the mix there. It's, it's a, it's a fascinating thing. Parenting is it, it's, it's, it's all consuming. It, it's everything. Um, go back to when you were a kid and view it from the perspective of a child. And I think we have to consider the era that you grew up in, that I grew up in, and then what kids are facing today. But tonight, I, I say that, guys, because I guess, um, you know, there's not one of us in here, I think, that has turned the corner on this. None of us that, that you know, is going to stand up and do a parenting seminar because we've figured it out. But sometimes I think that that kids today think that, that unless you've got it figured out, this commandment doesn't apply to me. Or until you get it figured out, mom, dad, it doesn't work. Uh, we live in a in a society, guys, if, if the news as of late hasn't told you one thing, it's that often I think we approach this with, here's how culture's moving, God. Here's how society's moving. Here's how we're feeling today, if not locally, globally even. And based on that, you need to cater to us. You need to you need to take what we're thinking today as a people group or as a society or even globally. And you need to work in your truths according to what we think, according to what we feel. And so, you know, Ireland made it real clear. This is how we feel. And guys, the world will see that and say, God, therefore, you need to adjust what you think about that particular issue to the way we're experiencing life today. And we come to an issue like this and guys, just read it plainly in verse 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. Period. And so kids today, one thing that they need to hear is that this isn't conditional. Like, like if you're a parent here tonight, 
one of the perks of being a parent is if nobody else honors me or if nobody else obeys me or if nobody else reveres me, if I've got kids, they will. They have to. Not because of any other reason other than title. There's no other, there's no prove it. There's no, well, you don't understand. There's no, well, you're not perfect. There's, there's nothing. He, I birthed you, you honor me. I'm raising you, you honor me. I'm parenting you, you obey me. Period. That's it. If it were different, guys, there would be a comma there, wouldn't there? There would be a, a parenthesis. Honor mom and dad when they're having good days. Honor mom and dad when they're financially stable. Honor mom and dad when they haven't had an argument in two months. Honor mom and dad when you get the things that you want on your birthday list. I mean, when do, you know, and guys, honestly, I mean... I work with teenagers every day. I'm raising five kids. I'm kind of in the, in the fray here with kids. And there is something happening in our culture, clearly happening in our culture where this entitlement is out of control. And I don't say that like, like, let's just kind of think about that. I'm saying that like that is reality. That's, and, and I'm not, I'm not, I don't think out of line by way of, well, you're talking about the exceptions. I think the exceptions are the kids that are showing up and obeying mom and dad. I think the exceptions are the kids that aren't acting like this in these videos. There was a 13-year-old who sued her parents because they stopped supporting her financially by way of like not supporting her like you need to live, but by way of like we're not buying any more iPads and iPhones and sending you to private school. She sued them. And thank goodness for judges that got in her face and said, who are you right now? You entitled, privileged little brat. Who, really? And her lawyer's like, well, but you don't understand. And, you know, and, and they use language around the house that's, you know, demeaning to her. And, and the judge is like, you better just stop right there. Just stop talking. But guys, we live in a day and age where you, you as a teenager, you can sue your parents now. We've got kids wanting to divorce their parents. We've got kids wanting to separate physically and disown their parents. So, so tonight what I wanted to do is I, I want to talk to the kids here by way of like kids, like the kids that you know, or, and then I do want to talk to the parents, but to the kids first, listen, kids, honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged in the land, which the Lord, your God gives you. I put up some verses here because this is, these, this is four kids in the Bible. Take a look at these. Children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things. Now, again, go back to Ephesians, just lest we think, well, this was, you know, God talking to Israel and that was it and... Paul says in two different passages, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. In other words, guys, this isn't wrong. 
This isn't even like, um, well, if you have time or, you know, if you, if you want to. But rather, this is a commandment to do it for no other reason other than it's right to do that. Children, be obedient to your parents. And then, you know, emphasis, bold, italicized, in all things. Well, my mom's, you know, she struggles with gossip. It doesn't matter. Well, my mom, you know, she's a shopaholic. It doesn't matter. Uh, my dad, you know, isn't great with finances. It really doesn't matter. My dad, um, you know, he, he works a lot. Okay. Uh, you know, again, guys, I think, I think as parents or grandparents, we need to push back a little harder than we are. I think as parents and grandparents, we need to push back with, so what? And, and we need to stop the, the but, because you know what's coming. I say this to a bunch of teenagers, honor your mother and father, and I don't get out of the conversation with a whole bunch of, yeah, but you don't know. And then I'm filled, I'm, I have a line out the door of my classrooms of kids telling me why they feel rationalizing this passage to not do it. And guys, we get into trouble when we do that. Rather, the perspective, I think, for our kids needs to be, I'm to do this. God, and I'll just trust you with the imperfections of my parents. God, I'll trust you that when my dad goes off center, you're there for me, God. God, I, I got to trust you that when my mom isn't exactly right, that you're going to trust me. Because, guys, here, here's, here's what I don't think kids understand. Let's just be, can we be honest tonight? This, like, this is you wake up as a parent and you're like, God, how do I do this? I'm, that's not just one day, that's like every day. And I love, I love meeting parents that have kids older than mine because it's like, it's like they're the resident experts. The problem is when they think they're the resident experts. You, you know what I mean? And so, hey, I want to tap into you because you have a kid older than me, so I had you do it. But don't tell it like this is the only way to do it because let's just all be honest here. There is no one right way to do it. We're struggling here to figure this out. And we're all unique in the way we do parenting. But that does not negate this command. Here's another one. Um, we have one more there, Stephen. There you go. Listen to your father who begot you and do not despise your mother when she is old. I love that. He who curses his father or mother, his lamp will go out in time of darkness. Listen to this. And he who curses his father and mother shall surely be put to death. And I put that up there, guys, because I don't want to, I don't want to get away from this is close to God's heart. Like God cares about this to the point where he says, if you're going to curse mom and dad, you're in trouble. Do you get the feel here that God's saying, listen, parents, parents are, parents represent me when their kids are in those formative ages. Parents instruct their kids on my behalf. So when you curse your parents, when you disobey mom and dad, 
When you dishonor mom and dad, who are you really dishonoring? I think is God's point. In fact, do we have one more there, Stephen? I can't remember. I thought there was one more. Yeah, here we go. This, this is our family verse, actually. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out and the young eagles will eat it. I've got that right above each of my kids' beds <laughs> with pictures of birds just hovering on branches. The eye... No, I don't really. The eye that mocks a father and scorns a mother. Is that happening today? How many people have you stood behind in line and have seen that? I wonder. And, and guys, I'm confident enough in God's word that if the discussion ended there, it's still right. If, if we had to close right now, and that's all we got out of this, then it's still right. Children, honor your father and mother that your days may be prolonged. And, and, th- and that back half there is both national and individual, meaning nationally, God was telling the nation of Israel, this is the way to do it. If you want a prolonged history as a nation, honor your father and mother. But I think it works individually as well because Paul repeats it in Ephesians. And so he says, this is the first commandment with a promise. In other words, to the son, to the daughter, chances are that when you honor mom and dad, life is better for you. And guys, let's just talk like as a family, think about all the times that you are together as a family. I I graduate seniors from Valley Christian every year and I watch them go and it's almost like they think I'm finally free until money runs out. Then they're back home. But but even after college, they're back home when they get married, they're back home when they have kids. They want the there's something about God's ideal family. Guy meets girl. They get married. They have kids. Kids repeat the same process. They grow up in the Lord, etc. That's 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 right. And what my seniors don't understand is you're going to spend much, much more time with these people you call mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, uncle, Bill, whomever. You, and those of us that have lived a little bit, we know that family get togethers, holidays, birthdays. We're just around. And because of technology, we're around a lot now. We're around a whole lot of each other's lives. And I think what God says here is, listen, why do you need to show up to those events just bitter and angry and divorced from each other by way of relationally? Why do those events need to be knocked down drag outs? That's how life ends quicker than if you're honoring mom and dad and everyone's doing that. Then you get together as a family for Aunt Susie's birth of her child and you don't have a fight in the in the in the in the hospital room because you can't stand so and so because you haven't talked to mom in seven years you know it doesn't work like that why you get together and you're just living life together uh, we spent memorial day yesterday over over jennifer's parents my, my wife's parents and i didn't know my my mom and her husband were going to show up what 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 guys well, honestly you know it, it, she, she's older than me and and i'm older. And so without disclosing her age, you know, we've lived a little bit. I mean, there would be a point where I would have to say, listen, I don't get along with her, but I'm, you know, of age where I don't need to get along with her. She doesn't pay my bills anymore. She doesn't, you know, she doesn't serve me, if you will. But, 
honestly, practically, what, what if Jennifer had told me yesterday, listen, and by the way, your mom and her husband are coming. And there was a fraction there. There was, there was divisiveness there. That whole event now is pressure-filled. And some of you can relate to that all too well. And I've got to ask you, does it go back a few years, if not decades? Honor your father and mother. And guys, if all we did tonight was just repeated that verse, it remains true. Here's the, here's the reality with the Bible, though. The Bible's not lived in a vacuum. The, the, the verses are not to be proof text by way of taking them apart individually, right? So now we've got to look at the whole of Scripture. And guys, this is the beauty of Scripture, is God doesn't leave the kids hanging. So the back half of this conversation over here is, why do you think that a lot of kids today are acting like that last clip we saw? Just, I, I, just talk out loud here for a minute. Why are kids, generally speaking, um, feeling like that is well within their right to do something like that? What, what would you think? Okay, well, I'm sorry? Because we allow it as parents. Now, here's my question. Why? So this is maybe like a... a we're already a generation or two into this. Okay. I, I hear this one. They don't obey. They're, they're not respecting my... But, but I, I got to ask why. Because guys, again, not to, you know, overgeneralize this, but you grew up in the 50s, 60s, or 70s. Could you get away with this? Uh, on any level? Like, I would have neighbors come over and beat me for this. Right? I mean, you know, wasn't that back in the day, right? You're like, if your mom or dad wasn't available, you had your neighbor come over. They'll take care of you. You don't talk to your parent. You don't talk to your mom like that. Are you kidding me? And if you didn't get it from them, you get it from a teacher. I mean, you had, you had accountability societally. Why have we lost that in the past 30 years? Yeah, but why? Because it's not, it's not good. <laughs> I don't know of a parent, honestly, that gets out of a conversation like that and says, boy, that was healthy. That just, that worked. I think we're both good, right? I mean, the parent walks out feeling like defeated and frustrated, almost like, where did that come from? And a lot of us, I think, see that and think, I I'm not terribly surprised. I'm just wondering where the gap was because it didn't always used to be like that. She said, in case you couldn't hear, um, society is against, uh, certainly against corporal punishment and then against even, even like, I would say even the parent, like taking the parent's side, it's almost as if like, we'll agree with the kid first until the parent can prove that this kid deserved something like that. And then the second comment was, um, 
we're, we're, we're trying to be their friends before we're trying to be their parent. I, I, I would validate that. I agree with that. I just wonder why. I've got enough friends. And honestly, like my, I, my 15-year-old, love him to death. We drive to school together every day. But I don't want, like he's 15. You know, I, if I need to be a 15-year-old's friend, in other words, if I need that, then I've got, I've got to work through some things, right? But maybe that is the case um, that, that I, as a parent, I guess I feel validated if my kid's my friend. I don't know. Certainly, I want to be my, my mom's friend, but not when I was 15. I don't know. Uh, comment back here. Okay. Yeah, right here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great point. That's a really good point. Sure. Yeah. Right. Their their own wisdom, yeah. Was there yeah, I'm sorry. Broken homes. Yeah. And, and again, let me just empathize. Uh I, I grew up in a single parent home. Uh, a lot of us did. A lot of you may be single parents right now. That's, that is, it's tough. It is beyond, I mean, I say that as a complete, like, understatement. It is really, really difficult. So if you have mom just trying to survive, just trying to make it, Jennifer can attest to this. I mean, when I met Jennifer's boys, honestly, guys, um, there was work to be done by way of, they were, they were eight and six at the time, and they're both boys. And I grew up in... Um, with a brother, but for some reason, probably because it was back in the day, you just grew up as a boy. I, I'm not, you know, there was less, maybe less chances to be effeminate. Um, there was work, but in talking with her, it was more of, I'm just trying to survive here. So if, if they're going to park it in front of the TV, or if they're going to get their guidance from less than adequate role models, no father figure kind of a thing, if that'll get me through the week, right? And so so we're still, work, two years later, we're still working through that, but I agree. Um, lots and lots of single parents, and, and for the guys as well. I mean, it's, it's a difficult task to raise a family as a single parent. And that, you know, obviously has inundated our culture.
Yeah, I agree. Um, that's true. Yeah, 73, uh, 53 million babies, I believe, to date in America uh, have been aborted. Um, yeah. You're exactly right. And, and my wife and I are both educators. Guys, last week, I've been teaching for seven years at Valley Christian. Last, last week, or yeah, last week, I had a parent email me, first time ever, and said, you gave my kid too high of a grade. <laughs> too high of a grade. It was a project, it was a presentation. She got through the presentation. I gave her whatever grade, and the parent emailed me a couple weeks later and said, I don't believe my child deserved this. Like I saved it. I'm going to frame it because guys in seven years, that was one parent, uh, you know, the host of other emails come through with, uh, yeah, I, in fact, just truth be told, um, a colleague of mine got an email saying, I know my child didn't study. I know they didn't prepare. I know they failed. Um, but this will affect their athletic abilities or opportunities. Can you move it to a D full admission? They don't deserve it. I'm asking you to move it to a D. And I was just shocked that usually, typically, they'll throw in, where's the grace? But they didn't this time, but they usually throw that in. Um, again, you know, we've kind of made it clear in our household, if you ever get sent to the principles, you're guilty, even if you're not guilty, you're guilty. <laughs> just to, you know, to err on the side of, we trust these people that are their educators, and there's a reason why. Now, are there bad educators? Sure. There's bad everything. Um, here, so here's the one thing I want to just say to parents tonight, because, because it's, because it's not in a vacuum. Here's what I really think will help. I honestly think this will, this could cure everything. Turn to Deuteronomy, um, six. I, I honestly think this, this could cure everything. Deuteronomy six. Uh, pick it up in verse 6. Deuteronomy 6. Uh, pick it up in verse 5. God tells Moses this. He says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. Okay, so, so, so God just tells Moses, listen, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Like, like that, that has nothing to do with kids or spouses or any, it just has to do with you. Love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And, uh, these words, which I'm commanding you shall be on your heart. In other words, guys, if I were to ask you, you know, to recite your favorite song lyric, you would be able to, you didn't need to study for it. You didn't need to prep for it. Um, you didn't, right? It, you, if you went to the U2 concert, you were singing along with them. Why? Because you grew up listening to that kind of music. You don't, why? It's in your heart. You know it because of whatever repetition or you love it, but it's in your heart. And God says, you and I, guys, we need to get to a point where we love God 
And it shows because it's in our heart. What's in our heart? Let me just tell you guys, it's not just an experience that's in your heart. It's his word. That's why when you show up to something like this on a Tuesday night, when you could be doing a whole lot of other things, I have hope. Because God is telling Moses, listen, love and these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart. These words, the law, the truth, the gospel shall be on your heart. Why is that important? Because he says, and you shall teach them, meaning these words, diligently. Actively. Intentionally. To your sons. Children. And shall talk of them. These words, God's word. When you sit down in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down and when you rise up. I Honestly, guys, there's, there's no magic to this other than... If I do that, this kind of, kind of takes care of itself. Imperfect? Absolutely. Because I'm imperfect. But guys, when push comes to shove, when you're a parent, your kid is looking for you as the model. When, when, when I've got to tell Caden or Bailey or Malia or Zachary or Luke something, they may hear the words, but you know, because we did this as kids, but are you doing it, mom and dad? Are you living it out? And God says, listen, this isn't magic. Just love me with all your heart. Learn my word. Apply my word. Then when you say to your son and daughter, What's the fifth commandment? They have no problem with the fifth commandment. The problem they have with the fifth commandment, in my opinion, is when we tell them to do that and they have legitimate reason to not do it. Now, again, we need to balance that because kids are always looking for an out. I'm just, guys, I'm just trying to figure out a way to give my kids the fewest reasons not to do it. And I've figured out that the best shot I've got is when I'm loving God with all my heart. Why? Because look at this next one. Go to that next one, Stephen. Um, there are times where I need to discipline my kids. And I've got... Five opportunities every day. It's, it's tiring. I've got five opportunities, five living souls every day that are either going to toe the line or not. Chances are good one of them's going to go off, off the, the rails. And I don't want to get, we don't have time, I don't want to get into a big thing about discipline. I just know that I think you can find support for discipline in the scriptures. I mean, to the point where if you're not doing it, it could be detrimental to your kid. Now, let's just kind of bypass the whole, you know, what does that mean? Because I, I want to, the, the next commandment speaks to that. But obviously, let's just, can we just be, use common sense here? I just, I, it's tiresome when I hear even my students argue about 
out of anger and unrighteously. And of course not. I mean, what, what? But a parent that is instructing their children in the way of the Lord, that's also living in the ways of the Lord. I think that child is more apt to receive that discipline, knowing that they deserve it. And secondly, knowing why it's happening. So that, guys, when I'm teaching my kids about these passages, it doesn't seem odd to them. But rather, it's more, yeah, that that would make sense. I admit it. I'm a screw up. I screwed this, whatever I did, Dad. And this is this is what I have coming to me. Um, that's part of, I believe, I don't know how else to read those. That's part of a parent's responsibility. And I think we're back to this issue of, I want to be their friend so much that it would pain me to see them unhappy. But did you see those videos? Every one of them tried to rationalize or or dialogue with an unruly child. It doesn't work. It just doesn't, guys. Um, and, and even if it did on occasion, is that the precedent you want to set? Because I know my kids well enough to know if they even thought that I think that we're on an equal playing field by way of intellect, I'm dead. I mean, I'm dead. And sometimes I just need to put the foot down and say, listen, I'm not going to listen anymore. This is what I saw. This is my judgment. This is, this is the verdict. And this is what's happening. There's one more here, I think. Is there one more, Steve? And here's the key. This is out of uh, Deuteronomy and, um, you know, go to the next one, actually. I think there's one more. Uh, I don't want to get to that one. Uh, out of Ephesians and Colossians. See, guys, this is your responsibility as parents. Don't exasperate your kids. Don't provoke your kids to anger. So to the kids in the room, and when we were growing up as kids, didn't our parents do a lot of things, knucklehead things that provoked us to anger? Don't do that as a parent. How, do, how can I avoid doing that as a parent then? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And bind his word on your heart. There's nothing more powerful, guys. There's nothing more powerful on, a pl- on the planet than when a parent says to a child, I blew it. And I'm seeking your forgiveness. But dad, mom, I, I don't even, you know, I don't even know what that, yeah, I know, but you'll, you'll get it one day. I just want to model for you that I'm not above you in the sense of everything I do is right. How many times I've had to go to my kids. I, I missed a call there. I'm sorry. And guys, I, you know, again, experientially, can we all agree? You do that to your kid, you've, you, you've binded that relationship. That relationship now is more solid because you stepped down into servant leadership and said, I, I'm imperfect. I'm not Jesus. And I thought you did this or I thought you said this, but come to find out you didn't. And I disciplined you or I yelled at you or whatever. And I'm sorry for that. I, I blew it. And I need your forgiveness to an eight year old, to a 15 year old. You are locking in. You're, you're building credit as a parent. You really are. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and teach those commandments to your kids. And guys, I think as a nation where we've gone off center is we're not doing that. I just don't think we're doing that. 
I think we're finding ways to rationalize why we're not doing it. But the bottom line is, I don't think we're doing it. I don't think we're doing it well. And so honestly, not to promote like, you know, life groups or small church, but if you're not finding yourself in a community, even something like this, where are you doing it? Life is busy. And I take, you know, well, you teach the Bible. And so, you know, it should, you know, you're a pastor and listen, it just so happens that God's word is what he says, learn. If it were engineering and I teach the Bible, then I would have to do double duty to learn engineering. And for the engineers out there, great, you locked out. Like you get to, you know, just focus on that. And that's great. Most of us have to do double work. I got to learn business management plus the Bible. I got to learn nursing plus the Bible. Yeah. And so, and stop complaining about that. It's, I didn't write that. God didn't say, listen, love me with all your heart. And these, you know, these, you know, principles of economics learn, you know, learn or memorize or he said, learn my word. So if you're justifying parent individual, why you're not doing it, how much longer are you going to do that? We're seeing it. I think someone said over here, we're seeing it in the second and third generations. We're, we're seeing the sins of the fathers down into the second and third generations. Clearly we guys, we live and society's not helping. I'll tell you that much. We live in a postmodern judge. Did anyone know judges 17, six without look up judges 17, six without a king, without a king of Israel, the scriptures say every man did what was right in his own eyes. That's our society today. Because there was no leader, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Guys, that's a postmodern relativistic pluralistic way of looking at life. And that's where we're at right now. Make me happy. However, whatever that takes, don't tell me what to do. I won't tell you what to do. And someday we'll just die. And if you think that's over, oversimplifying it, guys, look at the reports and the research about this millennial generation moving up. They have drunk the Kool-Aid with postmodernism. Where church now is all about just make me happy. Make me feel good. Don't tell me I'm accountable to a personal savior who at times is pruning and refining me. Don't tell me that. Just tell me that I'm a good person and tell me that I'm okay and I will be okay in life and just let me live my life. How much more, how much more do we need parents out there today living out the truths of Jesus Christ? Guys, just practically, have your kids, do your kids see you read the Bible? Grandparents, do your grandkids see you talk about God? Do, do you, are you taking them to church? Do, do your kids know, do you, when your kids' friends come over, do they know that you're a Christian? Do, do, they, do they know that the word of God is prevalent in your house? It's permeating through your decisions. Do you pray together as a family? Do you, do you walk through God's word together as a family? Um, I laugh often when my kids think like, I know it all just because I meant I should know more than them. But, and so they're, you know, dad, what is this? And what is that about the Bible? And I'm just trying to push it back onto them. Hey, here's where you can find it, but go look it up yourself. But guys, I need to know at least enough to know where they can find it. Otherwise I'm a fish out of water. Have you ever had those moments? Your kid asks you something about the Bible and you have no idea what they're talking about. And now you're scared. Do they know more than me? What are they learning in Sunday school? And that's a fearful moment as a parent. It should be. 
Nowhere in the scriptures do we have children instruct your parents in the ways of the Lord. Nowhere. We have parents instruct your children in the ways of the Lord. Parents. Um, let me get to something real quick. Um, turn to Ezekiel 18. Because I, I want to lay this out. Uh, I meant to do this a few weeks ago and I just didn't have time. So let me just lay this out. Um, and, and as you're turning there, the sixth commandment, by the way, is do not murder. And I said that those two tied and, and being facetious there. Most of us could check that one off the box, right? And yet in Matthew chapter five, uh, and I say this because the speaker next week is going to get to the seventh commandment. So let me just really quickly. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus addresses this issue. Does anyone know what Matthew five, six and seven, what they refer to, what that section of scripture is? Sermon on the Mount, right? So Jesus has his disciples and he's, he's preaching basically a long message. And he, he focuses on six things there. And you know what? I apologize. Go to Matthew real quick. I'll, I'll bring you back to Ezekiel just in a second. But I, I need to, I want to make this point um, as it pertains to attitude. Um, look, at, look at verse 20 of Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20. Jesus says this. He says to his disciples... For I say to you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Unless your righteousness surpasses that of the scribes. Now, guys, the scribes and Pharisees, guess who were like the Bible quiz guys, right? Guess who knew the law? So Jesus is saying you don't need to know more than them head knowledge. He says, unless your righteousness, unless your right living surpasses them. And then he gives six areas of life for you to check yourself on. Anger, sexual lust, dishonesty, divorce, retaliation, and hatred. Anger, sexual lust, dishonesty, divorce, retaliation, and hatred. He says... Let me give you six areas of life that your righteousness needs to surpass theirs. For example, and then he goes through these six. Now think about your life as it pertains to those six areas. And when we talk about don't murder, Jesus, the very first one says, you've heard it says that you shall not murder. But I say to you, anyone who's gotten angry at his brother is as guilty as someone who's murdered. See, Jesus drives the commands to the heart of the issue. And the heart of the issue isn't, well, I haven't murdered anyone. The heart of the issue is, does your righteousness surpass those of the religious people? For example, how are you getting angry? And in this context, as we've been talking about tonight, in front of your kids. Do your kids know you as an angry person? The, 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 look at uh, verse 21 out of Matthew 5. 21 to 26 is where he talks about this. Verse 22, but I say to you, everyone who's angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. Whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Reasons why we get angry. Um, I can't help it. It's just who I am. Did you ever hear that? Like, I can't. It's just who I am. Like part of your DNA. Yeah, I'm five foot nothing. I got balding red hair, blue eyes, and I get angry. Just part of who I am. It's not a part of who you are. 
It's not a part. It's not genetic. Um, anger is an emotion and God gave us all emotions. Okay. Jealousy is an emotion. Envy is an emotion. Like you can't justify it that way. But the biggest one really is, well, God and Jesus got angry. Okay, fair enough. But why did they get angry? What's Jesus's most famous example of getting angry? Just he's people are selling things in his father's house in the temple. He's flipping tables over. He is righteously ticked off. I've heard messages trying to justify like he wasn't really angry. Are you kidding me? He was ticked. He was lit. And so, guys, think about the times when you and I get angry. Is it for righteous reasons? Do you get angry because of the 53 million babies that have yet to see a day of life uh, outside of the womb? Do you get angry over poverty? Do you get angry over no water being in some part of the country or the world? Like, what are you getting angry over? Your phone doesn't work. You know, someone cuts you off. Uh, the boss wants you to, you know, stay late a little bit. I mean, what are you getting angry? What am I getting angry over, right? Kids spill something. I'm losing it. Especially after I tell them, watch it, right? That's the worst. Hey, be careful with that. Oh, man, you have got to be kidding me, right? That's what we're getting angry over. Anger, sexual lust, divorce, dishonesty, retaliation, and hate. Guys, can you just imagine the difference in the next generation's lives if they saw us as adults acting appropriately in those six areas alone? Alone. The time then when I need to discipline young Johnny, he, he has very few weapons to say, well, that's funny, hypocrite. Yeah, go ahead. But, but you are living such a duplicit life, mom or dad. You say you're a Christian. You say you go to church. And I just, I don't see it. I honestly don't see it. And guys, maybe for some of them, they're, they're right. It makes it... Uh, I'm just, my heart tonight, guys, is we just don't need to give them more reason not to fulfill the fifth commandment. That's my heart tonight. Let's just go, let's go out there and do what God's word says so that when it, when those tough times come, it's a gamble. Isn't it so subjective when we discipline our kids? Like sometimes I do and sometimes I don't. I've told some of my kids, you know, you're my favorite today. And the other four don't like it. Get on my good side today. You're my favorite today. Gold star. I don't know. Maybe that's going to mess them up. I don't know. Maybe they are messed up, man. It's a gamble, right? Parenting's just a gamble. You don't know. Here's, here's the hope, I guess. Ezekiel 18. And, here, and, and guys, honestly, I've looked at this verse dozens of times. Uh, by the way, in Matthew 5, we should have a chance to get to it. Jesus says, if you're angry at a brother in this context, if you're angry at, at your kids, he says, before you come to church on Sunday, before you go present your offering, don't come. Leave it at the altar. Go and reconcile. Then come back. It's amazing. It's amazing how stubborn we can get as parents, isn't it? Well, they know I love them. Well, they know that I was wrong and that, no, tell them. Make reparations. What do you do then, Greg? What, what, what do you do when, listen, I've tried. My kid is just, they, they are so 
um, unruly and disobedient and I've prayed about it. We've, we've fasted over it. You know, what, what do I do? Right. I, I've heard all the stuff you said, Greg, and I'm not like tooting my own horn, but I've done this. My kid knows that I've done this and it's not transferring. They did a study, this longitudinal study, uh, 30-year study, 75 to 05. And guys, they found this. They found that um, in general, uh, listen to this. They found among the significant findings, when they looked at 3,500 family members, they found that parents' religious beliefs were being passed down to their children only when parental warmth was the key factor in spiritual transmission as opposed to cold, distant, or authoritarian parenting, ambivalent or mixed message parenting, or strained or preoccupied parenting. So if you want your faith to be passed down, it's going to take a relationship, is what that study was saying. 3,500 people 30 years later, that's the one thing they found was that the one thing that works is when I am in relationship, not perfect, but I'm in relationship with my kid. But, but you say, well, Greg, I've done that and it's still not working. W- what do I do? Here's the hope, guys, honestly. Here's the hope, because most of us are, are adults with, with the exception here tonight. The hope you have as a parent is you're not responsible. Which is a risk for me to say, but let me see if I can back it up here really, really fast. Ezekiel chapter 18, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to me saying, what do you mean by using this proverb concerning the land of Israel, saying the father eats sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge? So just real quickly, the children of Israel were saying, they were going around saying this proverb, the fathers eat sour grapes, but the children's teeth are set on edge. You know what happens when your teeth get set on edge? It's like when you suck a lemon, right? You get like that. And the kids of Israel were saying, my dad and mom ate the sour lemons or sour grapes, but my teeth are bitter. In other words, I'm screwing up. And I'm blaming mom and dad is what the proverb was saying. God says, as, as long as I live, verse three, you are surely not going to use this proverb in Israel anymore. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father, as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sins will die. Now listen to this. But if a righteous man practices righteousness and justice, verse six, and then he gives an example of all this guy does. And, he, and just for time's sake, he does a lot of great things. Verse nine, if he walks in my statutes and and my ordinances, he is righteous and will surely live. Then verse 10, he may have a violent son who sheds blood does and who does any of these things to a brother. And then he gives examples of this guy's violent son who doesn't do anything his dad does. Verse 13, he lends money on interest and takes increase. Will he live? Emphatically, he will not live. He has committed all these abominations. He will surely be put to death. His blood will be on his own head. Now watch this, verse 14. Now behold, this wicked guy has a son who has observed all his father's sins, which he committed, and observing them doesn't do likewise. Drop down to verse uh, 19. Yet you say, uh, I'm sorry, verse 20. The person who sins will die. The son will not bear the punishment for the father's iniquity, nor the father bear the punishment for the son's iniquity. For the righteousness of the righteous will be upon himself and the wickedness of the wicked will be upon himself. And guys, I love that little encouragement from Ezekiel. And basically what God's saying is, is you can do all the right things. 
And there will be times where you look at your child and think, I just, I'm out of options. And God says, I've got this. There are reasons, maybe unbeknownst to you, why he or she is doing that. And they're responsible for them. You check off the boxes of doing what you need to do as a parent. Those passages we looked at, it's on them. Conversely, I've screwed up so much in life, God. Like, I'm a screw up. I really am. I'm praying that my kid isn't me. Some of us, you know, and God says, they don't have to be. Your son and daughter can observe all your wicked ways and they can still honor me and worship me. I'm suggesting, guys, as parents, if we go forth loving God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind and instructing our kids in the ways of the Lord, you have done your part as a parent. All the counseling, all of the, you know, entitlement, all of, I mean, whatever else you want to do, I'm just saying you've done what is required of you. And then it's between them and God. And guys, honestly, I don't say this like parentingly, we really need to trust God with that truth because it's a hard day when you look at a kid and, and they're not doing things that are honoring to God. That's a heartbreaking moment for a parent. And you've got to go to the Lord and trust in his goodness that he's in control of that situation. Kids, obey mom and dad. I know it's tough sometimes. I know it is. Maybe not with your folks, but with most of our folks, it, it can get kind of tough. Um, But you do that and God will, God will honor that and he will bless you. Let's pray. Jesus, thanks for tonight. God, thank you that we are imperfect and yet we worship a perfect God. And God, as as a lot of us are in families, uh, either by way of we've been kids or we have kids or we've got grandkids, we've got friends that have kids. um, It's a, it's a, it's work. It is nothing but work. And those moments where there's some reprieve, where there's some joy, there's satisfaction. God, may we champion those. May we hang on to those. But in those days, God, maybe some of us are in them right now where, where we're just struggling with our, with our kids. God, may you give us that knowledge and insight and wisdom that only you can give. Uh, may we live righteous lives, albeit imperfect. And Father, may we really just shorten the gap between... Um, righteous living and, and hypocrisy. And I know, God, that uh, our kids will be better off when we act a- accordingly. So, God, we need the strength to do that uh, in these times where our culture is just shouting out against the word of God in so many ways. God, we need men and women who are going to stand in the gap. May this group here uh, be those men and women. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next Tuesday.